Is Audie here? Audie, why don't you come on? Come on up. So, Audie was baptized this week, and she studied the Bible with Ion and Tyler, correct? Awesome. And so, this is a Baby Believers book, and what they're going to do is they're going to walk through that with you. But anytime that somebody makes a commitment to follow Christ in their lives, we love to recognize it here at the church. So, congratulations. All right. Uh, so I want to welcome you to the Crossings Church. I am Jake. I am not the normal guy up here. Uh, I am the campus minister, but every once in a while you'll see my little face up here. Wes is actually out of town. He's down in Arkansas, I believe, doing some really cool things with his dad uh, to set up some, just some really cool opportunities that we're going to have soon uh, with some people. Uh, so it just so happens that you guys got me this week. And uh, I will tell you now of my night last night real quick so you can have an idea of maybe a little bit of grace. So I'm holding this coffee cup uh, for two reasons. One, I'm freezing and it's really warm, so I'm just going to kind of like warm myself up like a bonfire up here. Um, But also, so last night, uh, our campus ministry, we do fundraisers to to fund all of our events. So, you know, we're we're a small church. We're not a rich church. If you look around, we're a pretty young church. So uh, most of the events that we do here at the Crossings Church are self-funded. Um, we don't have this huge bank account or a, a bunch of uh, rich people that just come in and throw all the money into the bank account. But like most of the things that we do, especially in our, in our student ministries, is funded by fundraisers or by their own personal sacrifice. And so we partner with a company called Elite Events, and they, they, they're a company that sends inflatables to like a graduation or to like a prom or something like that. And we kind of help them set up and break down. And as a volunteer group, they, they pay us. And we've done this for probably 10 years or so. Um, And so they'll send me a handful of different jobs they have and how many volunteers they need and how much uh, they're they're willing to give our group to donate for what we do. And uh, usually they send out a spreadsheet and it's like nine to five, nine to four. They're they're all day ones like barbecues and picnics and and gatherings and, and, and corporate things. So we picked one yesterday. And like I said, we've been doing this for about 10 years or so. And it was just another nine to five job. Saturday morning, yesterday was beautiful weather. We thought we were gonna have it knocked out. And so our first group gets there at 9 a.m. and they say, nobody's here. And I said, it's nine to five. And so I looked at it and what I had not realized and the first time I've ever made this mistake was that it was an after school graduation after hours and it was 9 p.m. to 5 a.m. So me feeling terrible about this, uh, I decided to go to this fundraiser last night to help make sure that we got it done. But more importantly than that, I want you guys who went to that last night to stand up real fast. Stand up if you were at that fundraiser last night, okay? So yeah, you need to give them applause because these college students, you guys can have a seat. These college students went out last night and stayed up from 9 p.m. to 5 a.m. doing this fundraiser to raise money for one of our events that we fund in the college ministry in the fall called Fall Fest to have opportunities to meet new college students to show them a little bit about what God has done in their life through things like this. And they got their bus to church today, you know? And so like, that's a cool thing to see, you know? And if you're visiting with us today, I just want you to know that's the kind of church that we are. We're a church that's willing to do the gritty stuff, the, the unexpected stuff, the things that maybe I mess up on, like people have each other's backs. Um, So if I'm a little like off today, now you know why. Um, But uh, I just think it's still cool, even in moments like that where it's not the most favorable, it's not the most desirable, we still do things for opportunities. 
because we see the bigger picture here at the Crossings Church, and we know that when we can do the unexpected, when we can do the things that nobody else is willing to do, there might be a light that shines in somebody else's life. There might be a spark that says, why do you do things like that? Why do you choose to live like that? Why do you choose to act like that? Um, and I think that that's exactly how God wants us to live our lives. He wants us to live in a way that says, all right, um, be different than the people around you. Be different than the world and show them something different. And so thank you guys again for helping out with that last night. Um, I'm so proud of you guys for doing that. So jumping into our sermon today, we had just finished a huge series on the miracle of mercy uh, by Rick Warren, and it was a great series. I know a lot of you guys were a part of small groups that would meet and kind of walk through that throughout the week. Um, and if you want to know more about that, we still have some materials left over for people who have maybe missed out on it or who want to walk through it some more, um, and we will get you guys that information if you need it. But what we're going to do this week is we kind of have a, uh, an off week before we jump into a new series. And so what I thought we, would be cool is if we went back, and right before we did the Miracle of Mercy series, we did a series called More Than Words. And we ran out of time because of Easter, and we missed out on the last, the last sermon of that series. And so today what we're going to do is we're going to circle back to that, and we're going to do that today. And so we're going to hit on this last one because I think it's very important, and this is one of those things that I wish we would have had time to do back then, but it's kind of cool that we get an opportunity to do it today. But the whole series was about more than words. And when you think about more than words, um, what the series is about is essentially words in the Bible that have been completely misunderstood, that the culture around us has completely taken out of context. And what we did is we took a couple weeks and we looked at the verse in 1 Corinthians 13, 33, and it says, And now these three remain. Faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. And so what we did for a couple weeks is we took that word faith and we said, all right, here's what the Bible says about faith versus how the world views it. Here's what the Bible says about love and how the world views it. And so what we're going to do today is we're going to talk about the word hope. And I think this is a huge word that we need to look at because obviously when you look at this verse in 1 Corinthians 13, love is the greatest. You know, love is the most important. Love is the, the principle that needs to be uh, down and defined. But if you look at these three words, faith, hope, and love, I think more times than not, hope is the word out of these three that is the most completely misunderstood word. It's the most completely out of context word that when you look in the culture of how we live today, the way that that word has been used in our society, when you hear the word hope, it has nothing to do with how the Bible talks about hope. And so when you hear this word hope, and then you go and read the Bible, and you start seeing the word hope, and you start putting it into context by the way that our culture has changed that word, you are going to completely mistranslate the Bible. You're going to completely misunderstand what God meant when he talks about hope. And so what we're going to do today is we're going to kind of break that word down a little bit, talk about what it's not, talk about what it is, and talk about how we can get it, okay? Um, so starting off, hope is not about wishes. Hope is not about wishes. You see, the, the word wish, if you define that word, it says to feel or express a strong desire or hope for something that cannot or probably will not happen. So, when you hear the word hope, that's probably if people, if you walked around today and you asked a bunch of people and you said, hey, what is another word for hope? More times than not, you're going to hear them say wish. You know, because if somebody says, I hope that this happens, what they're really sometimes saying is, I wish that would happen. 
And the thing about wishing and the thing about hoping is that when you wish for something, there's probably a greater chance and a greater shot that that's a very unexpected or very not likely thing to happen, right? When you wish that your team would win or that you really, really wish that this thing would happen. And you look at these things and you usually wish because you know that there's not like a certainty that it would happen. Because if you knew that there was a certainty that that would happen, you wouldn't really be wishing for it in the first place, right? Because you would already know it's going to happen. There's no need to, there's no need to wish if it's already going to happen. And so when we talk about hope, it's that same kind of way. That hope is not wishing. Hope is it's a completely different word, and it's not something that cannot or probably will not happen. You know, I'll give you a good example. <laughs> so yesterday before we did all that fundraiser stuff, I had no idea we were going to do that at that night. So that morning I decided to play in a pickleball tournament. And it's the first time I've ever played pickleball like in a tournament. And I thought I was going to do so good. <laughs> I, one of my friends from our church out in Winslow, we partnered up and we played in a doubles tournament out in St. Charles. And uh, we, were, we, we played together once. We played together once since we started playing like two months ago. And we're like, we're going to do just fine. We're, we're going to crush this. And we're, you know, we're so athletic. We're so young. Like, we're going to be so fine. And then he gets out there and he signs us up for this, this tournament. He, he, he signs us in for registration and he texts me. And uh, I can't remember the exact words that he said, but these were the two messages that he had sent me as I'm driving there. He says, some old farts here. We're going to break some hips today. That's literally, that's literally what he had said in the message, right? And so I'm like, all right. And so I'm driving there being like, this is going to be so good. Like, we are going to destroy. Um, and we got destroyed in the first game by this old fart <laughs> and a guy that was like 30 years older than him. And so it was literally this, this guy, um, and then we get done talking to him afterwards, and the guy was like, yeah, you know, I got 30 years of tennis experience. And I'm like, I've never played a racket sport in my life. I'm just pretty agile. Like, I thought I could, like, make it happen. And so, like, I'm, he's, they've got us, like, because their placement is so good, they're just smacking it right on the lines. And we're, we're like, running back and forth, like, getting, and this just old guy's just like, he's putting it right, right where we're not. And so after that first game, my expectations completely dropped. And I was like, please, I just, I just wish that we can win just one today. We lost all four matches. It was so bad. But that very quickly, my mind changed from a confident, confident expectation that something was going to happen to, oh my gosh, this is probably very unlikely. They are very experienced. They've had way more time, way more whatever. And so I started changing from that this is not probably going to happen to I wish that this would happen. And those are the kind of things that we choose to wish about the things that are probably not going to happen. But that's not what hope is. Hope is also not about my desires. Hope is not about my desires. You see, anytime that you hear somebody say the word hope or, hear the, or say the word wish and they're talking about something, it's usually followed by the word I. I hope. I wish. And what that makes it sound like is that the hopes and the wishes that people are talking about has something to do with their own personal desires. I, I hope I get this job. 
Well, there's usually something in it for you, right? I, I hope I get, you know, I, I hope I get a, a good husband or a good wife one day. Well, there's probably something in it for you. You know, I, I hope I get this house. I hope I get, you know, fill in the blank. But more times than not, that hope and that wish is circulated around what you want. But that is not what hope is about at all. Hope is not possessive. Hope is not about you. Hope is about something completely different. And so once again, when we hear the word hope in a culture, it really is usually circulated about something that we want. Um, and when we have this idea that hope is just wishing and hope is about what we want, we have completely misunderstood and mistranslated the word hope in the Bible. But what hope is, if we really want to look at what hope is in the Bible, we have to go back to the old, old translation, the old, um, the, the old language and how the Bible is actually written. Because, you know, the Bible was written in Hebrew and in Greek. In the Old Testament and the New Testament, it was written in two different languages because of the Old Testament um, was written in Hebrew and the New Testament was written in Greek. And then those words we have taken over years and found the closest words that we have in the English language. And we have kind of partnered them with those words. And that's why you have the Bibles that you have today. Um, but all of the words in our American Bibles are derived from the original Hebrew and Greek words. But those specific words have greater definitions than just the one word that you see in the Bible today, if that makes sense. And so what we're going to do today is we're going to kind of look at these words that were written in Hebrew and Greek for the words hope that you see in the Bible so you can kind of know and see what these words are actually defined as versus if you Googled hope or wish in the Google American Dictionary, you may not see the same, uh, the same example. So let's start in the Old Testament. So the Old Testament word for hope in Hebrew is tikvah. And the Old Testament word for hope in Hebrew is tikvah. And that, that word itself means to expect. So whenever you see the word hope in the Bible, the original word would say tikvah. And what that tikvah word has been described to is means to expect. You see, that's completely opposite of the word wish, right? Because when you wish upon things and you wish for things, you're usually wishing for things, like the definition says, that are probably not expected, that are probably not going to happen. Well, the Bible says that hope is something that should be expected. So why would it say that? Well, what does that root word, what does that derive from that word tikvah? Well, actually, it derives from a word uh, named kwava. And what that word means is to wait for, to expect, or look eagerly. And so when you partner these two things together in the Old Testament... Hope kind of boils down to being able to wait for something that is going to be expected at some point. To be able to wait for something that can be expected that's going to happen at some point. Um, so there could be a little, it sounds like there's a little more confidence in the, the, the results of what hope can bring to our lives versus the unexpected, not likely to happen of what the hope word means in today's society. Now, in the New Testament, they have, they have changed that word a little bit as well, but you still see the same kind of parallels that you see in the Old Testament. See, in the New Testament, when, whenever it was written in Greek, <clears throat> the Greek word for hope is elpis. And when you see the word elpis, it means that there is an expectation, just kind of like in the Hebrew word, there's an expectation, there's a trust, and now there's a confidence. And 
when you partner all these words together, you'll see kind of what we're working towards at the end here. But the root word from that Greek word elpis is elpo, which means to anticipate and even derives with pleasure and to welcome. And so you get this working definition of hope through scripture. And that's why we've taken all these words and we've put them all together. And we get the best, the best idea of what the word truly means in scripture versus what you would see in a Google dictionary. But the word hope through scripture, what we've found is that hope is confidently looking expectantly towards the future based on our faith in God in the present and his faithfulness in the past. You see, when you have hope in God and he says to have hope in him, there, there should be this expectation that you know that there's going to be something that's going to happen. It's not, it's not by chance. And I truly believe that Christians don't need to wish for good things to happen in their lives. I don't believe that that's exactly how God wants us to live, that there should be this, this, this wishing and that our lives are meant to be uncertain and that our lives are meant to be that we're not really going to get, we're not likely to get good things in our lives. I don't think that that's the way that God wants us to live. But based when he says, take hope in me, and if this is what hope really means, I think that God wants us to look at our lives and feel confident that we will get the blessings and we will get the good life that God has promised us as long as we follow, his, we follow him. And we're going to talk about that in a little bit, but I truly believe that that's exactly what God wants, that we don't have to sit here and wish for good things to happen, but that there should be a pleasure that goes along with waiting, knowing that something is going to, something's going to happen for us. It's, it's almost like a babysitter, right? I was kind of talking about this in our teacher service today, but it's almost like a babysitter because if it talks about to anticipate with pleasure and, and elpis means an expectation of trust, it's almost like leaving your kids with a babysitter that you trust, Right? If you leave your kids one day um, with a babysitter that you trust and you go out like on a date or whatever it may be, you're going to enjoy that date. You're going to take the time to, to enjoy what you're doing because you know you're going to come back to your kids and you're going to know that they're going to be okay. You're going to expect that those kids are going to be fine so you can live your life in a little bit of freedom and, and, and enjoyment because you expect to come back to them and be totally fine. Now, let's say you left your kids with a complete stranger and then you went on a date, right? That date is going to suck. You know, like you are going to be stressed out of your mind because you're going to be like, what's going on with my kids? What is a stranger doing with my kids? Like, are my kids okay? Are they going to be in one piece when we get back to them? Like, what, what is going on? Because you have no idea what to expect whenever you get back to your kids, right? One of those looks like hope in the Bible and one of those looks like the way that the world lives, isn't it? Because we choose to live in a way, more times than not, like the stranger. Because we feel like our lives are in the hands of strangers and it's up to us to make sure we get everything lined up the way that it should do, be to have a successful, blessed life. I've got to get this job. I've got to find the right husband or wife. I've got to live in the right town or city. I've, I've got to make sure I really make sure that my finances are lined up. I've got to make sure that no bad things happen to me. And, and we do all this stuff. And we choose to take control because we're so afraid of what it would be like to give that to that unknown babysitter and let them entrust that situation. But somebody who truly believes in God and trusts in God is willing to let go and give those things to God and say, I can live my life because I know exactly what I have in store for me on the other side of this. I know exactly the blessings that he has lined up for me. I know exactly what he wants to do for my life. 
and I will confidently look forward to those things one day based on what he has promised and his faithfulness in the past. Um, and what's so cool about here at the Crossing Church is time and time again, as a campus minister, I have seen this worked out in people's lives. It's been so cool to watch college students that we have met on a college campus come in and feel no hope. Maybe their, their lives have been completely destroyed by a, a bad parenting. You know, maybe there was, there was a divorce in the, in the house, or maybe there wasn't even a dad in the house, or there wasn't a mom in the house, or there, there was a situation, and they had no hope to be anything different or better than what they had seen growing up. It, it's just that was the hand that they were dealt, and they really wished that maybe life could be different for them moving forward, but they had a hard time realizing that that could be something that could happen. It was very unlikely. Or maybe that there was some abuse in, 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 the, in the house or in the life, and they look at their lives and say, I don't know how I'm supposed to overcome this. I don't know how I'm supposed to change my life and become something different. It's, it's very unlikely that there's going to be something better in store for me. You know, uh, financial situations where people have come from, from poverty or from different, just different environments and different places, and they look at their life and say, I don't know how in the world I could ever afford to have security in my life because my whole life has been on welfare. My whole life has been just, I don't know what it's like to be disciplined with money or to have a good job. Like, there's no way I have any hope for anything. And so college students come to a college campus wanting change so bad from what they have seen their entire lives, but it's all wishes. And they feel like it's very unlikely and it's very fearful when they come to a college campus that they may turn very well into the same things they've seen their entire lives and the cycle will just repeat itself. But what I'm here to tell you guys is what I love so much about what I've seen here at the Crossing Church is we have met college students and I've seen it time and time again when people choose to put their hope in God and trust Him with their lives like a babysitter, he has changed and transformed everything that they have ever seen. That there have been people who have trusted the process and have, and have buckled down and have disciplined their lives and they have better jobs than anyone in their family has ever had because they're willing to be disciplined and look at God's word and obey what he had in store for them. That there are people in our, in our church that have, have chosen to lay everything aside and find a godly woman or a godly man and now have a marriage that is bound by God that will never separate, you know, and that they are choosing to love one another more so than anything they've ever seen in their lives. And it, it, it's a stability thing that they never had thought that they would ever have. I've done so many weddings. I have ordained so many weddings in the church. And one of the things that I hear time and time again is when people read their vows, they say, I never thought that I could ever have anything like this in my life. I never thought I could ever find anything like this in my life. But I'm so grateful that I gave myself to God because he has provided something for me. And it's so cool to see college students that come onto a college campus as freshmen completely destroyed, completely hopeless, and they choose to realize what hope really is and they choose to follow that process and trust in God and give him, the, give him their lives and what can happen on the other side. People who have gone through abuse and addictions and things like that, the same exact thing. How am I supposed to get out of this? How am I supposed to change this? And never have they once tried to do things God's way, but they've seen how their parents have done it or how their parents have handled it. And they try to do it themselves and they have this pride, but then they get into the church and they get help. And they come out on the other side actually helping people with their addictions and helping people with their abuse because they chose to trust God. And they're in a place that I've heard so many people say more times than not, I am glad that God put me through that abuse. 
I am glad that God put me through those situations because I have trusted him that now I can help other people that have had those same exact things happen. You know, that's one of the things that I talk about a lot because I grew up without a dad. You know, my dad wasn't around as a kid. My dad was an alcoholic. My dad was found dead in a motel a couple years ago with a, with a methamphetamine, methamphetamine overdose. And I look at my life and I didn't have a dad growing up and it sucked. You know, and I, I, I hate that that's what happened to me. And I took a lot of years of, of crying and of wondering and of, of blaming God and, and, and really frustrated. And, and now I'm a father of three kids and there is this huge gap that sometimes I get angry. They're like, why did I not have an example of what that should look like? And I had to deal with that for a long time. And I get, a, I get a question a lot of times where people ask, well, if you could take it all back now, look at where your life's at today. If you could take it all back to have a good dad, would you? And I look at my life and I say, no, never. Because I have an amazing wife that loves me and is going to provide for our kids. And we're going to be in this together. But more importantly, there are so many college students that I have met that have not had a stable dad in their life. And unfortunately for me, I'm getting to that age now where I, I can almost be a father figure. And I don't like that about myself, that I'm kind of moving into a new bracket of life where I was like the cool brother now. And now I'm kind of like the old weird brother, almost transitioning into like the dad now, you know. Um, but I get to be somebody that our college girls can look at and be encouraged and be supported by and, and be loved on in a way that maybe a father never did. That some of our, our college men have never had the man to step up and, and be bold with them and say the hard things and smack them into shape a little bit because they just need a, they need a wake-up call because no man has ever said anything to them. And I look at my life and I've seen what some things have happened with some of, some of these men and women in our campus ministry, and I look at my life and I say... I don't, I don't want those things to change. I'm grateful that God has done something in my life that most people would look at and say, I, why God? You know, Because I found what hope can do in those situations and what that hope has done in me and now what I can do for other people because of what has been done in me. Does that make sense? And I think that's exactly what God wants us to do in our situations. Um, when it comes to hope and, and, and trusting in him. It doesn't matter where you came from. It doesn't matter the abuse. It doesn't matter the background. But if you choose to put your hope and trust in God, he can change any situation. He can transform any situation for the better, um, more so than you could ever know or think. And so if that's the truth, then what does that mean for you? What does that mean for me? So the reality is, is you can find hope. I can find hope in this life and the next that I can find hope in this life and the next. Jeremiah 29, 11. This is like a power verse here at the Crossings Church. Um, this is a very popular verse. Anybody who studies the Bible with anybody in our church, this is probably the very first verse you will ever read with somebody when they sit down and look in God's word with you. And it's so powerful. In Jeremiah 29, 11, it says, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for welfare and not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. And so what's so cool about this verse is that is that it comes in here and it says, God's talking to his people through a prophet, and he says, I have plans to give you a future. I have plans to give you a hope. So if you, if you kind of break this verse apart, that meant at this point in time, God's people did not have a hope. And God wanted them to know, despite where you're at in life right now, 
I have a hope I want to give you. And what that means for you is that you can find that hope in this life. You can find that hope today. And I think the problem is that so many people feel like they can't find that hope because they're like, how am I supposed to have hope in my situation? I'm so angry. I'm so upset. I'm so unhappy. I've been, I've been dealt a crap hand. How am I supposed to find that? Well, if you know anything about this verse in Jared 20, 29, God's people were enslaved right now. God's people are like, they're being punished and they, they have been unfaithful to God. And in the midst of their punishment, in the midst of God punishing his people through their unfaithfulness, he comes and says to them, I have plans for you in the midst of your struggles, in the midst of your mishaps, in the midst of where you're at in your life, in your low valleys, I have a hope for you and I have a future for you. You see, God doesn't just want to bless people who are doing good all the time. You know, God doesn't want to just bless and give hope to people who are okay. God wants to bless everyone. But this hope that he's talking about is not just for where we live in this life. It's for the next as well. Look at 1 Corinthians 15, 19. It says, if in Christ we have hope in this life only, we are of all people most to be pitied. You see, what Paul's saying here is if all you want right now is hope for your current context, if you just want wherever you're at in life, you know, no matter how young or old you are, whatever, whatever you want in life for happiness, whatever you want in life for blessings, if that's all you want while you're here on earth, that's a pretty pitiful life. That's pretty much what Paul says here. Because what he's trying to get him to understand and the people in the church at this time is that this hope that God is wanting to give to us is not just for earth. It extends into the afterlife. It extends into heaven. And he says, if all we want to do is get hope for a good life here on earth, that's a pitiful life to want to live. There's so much more beyond this life. And the cool thing about God is you don't just get the hope for here on earth. You get both. You get an afterlife hope and you get a hope here on earth. Look at Proverbs 23, 18. It says, surely there is a future and your hope will not be cut off. You know, he's saying when you die, that hope doesn't stop. There is, a, there is a second piece of this hope that carries on with you after you've died. There's a, second, there's a second piece of this hope that once you meet God, there is another hope that will be realized, another expectation that you can expect after you die. In 1 Peter 1, verses 3 and 4, it says, Praise God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is so good, and by raising Jesus from death, he has given us new life and a hope that lives on. God has something stored up for you in heaven where it will never decay or be ruined or disappear. You see, sometimes I think we get so focused on the hope that we want right now that we completely forget that there is something so much greater on the other side. And we live our lives in such a fear and such a panic to get everything we need to get to ensure that this life is as good as it can be and at times we choose to sacrifice the better piece of it afterwards. But the good thing about hope is just the realization that there is a hope that can be found in this life and the next. Number two is hope means I can have a life of joy and peace. Hope means I can have a life of joy and peace. 
In Romans 15, 13, it says, I pray that God who gives hope will bless you with complete happiness and a peace because of your faith. And may the power of the Holy Spirit fill you with hope. You see, this is another great indicator. If, if, you, if you believe in God, you call yourself a Christian, if you're not happy with life, you know, like if you're not happy with where you're at in life and you're not happy with your current situation, this verse is for you. You know, like this point is for you. Because to have a hope in God means that you can have a life that's full of joy and full of peace. And I think a lot of times what, what screws up Christianity in the world is when people look at their situations and they're not happy with where they're at and they let that consume them and other people see that and they say, why would I ever want to be a Christian if that's the way you feel? You know, why would I ever want to, to follow the same God you follow if you're so unhappy with life? I've been there too. I've been guilty so many times. I look at my life and I'm like, I'm not happy with where I'm at. I'm not happy with my job situation. I'm not happy with my living situation. I'm not happy with, you know, what, whatever, fill in the blank, you know. And, and, it, and it just, it, it, it stinks out of me and people see that and they're like, this, this dude goes to church. You know, like this dude is a Christian, like, and he's not happy with life. But God says, listen, hope means that you can live a life that has joy and it has peace in it. In Hebrews 6, 19, it says that hope is real and true, an anchor to steady our restless souls, a hope that leads us back behind the curtain to where God is. Circle the word anchor there, because that word anchor is huge for the word hope. I love that that's what it uses here to describe what the word hope is, because that's exactly what it means to have hope in our lives. You see, I'm sure that a lot of you guys are like me, that we can feel unhappy with life at times. We can, we can look at our job situation, we can look at our financial situation, we can look at our marriage, we can look at our friendships, we can look at our, our social settings, we can look at, you know, whatever it is, what we do in our free time. Just, just we can look at our lives in certain areas and be like, I'm just so unhappy. I, I, I do not like where I'm at. But hope really means to have an anchor set in place to bring you back. That's what anchors are on ships. Whenever there's crazy waves coming in here and there, they drop an anchor to kind of recenter themselves so that the waves don't flip the boats. And the reality is, is that is, that's exactly what hope is meant to do for you. You see, the waves of life are going to come in and crash. There's going to be crap that's going to happen in your lives, whether you like it or not. There's going to be bad things that are going to happen in your life. God never promises a safe life. God never promises a fun 24-7 life. You know, like, it's, it's not always cupcakes and butterflies. You know, like, there's going to be bad things that are going to happen, and there's going to be hurtful things. There's going to be hurts. But God says, hey, hope is like an anchor. So when those things come, you better drop that thing and replant yourself in me because that's what's truly going to get you to that lifestyle of joy and peace. You see, some of the most successful people, some of the biggest celebrities are some of the most unhappy people in the world. But yet those are the exact people that we follow because we want to be like them. We want the money. We want the big mansions. We want the cars. We want the success. We want the stats. We want the power. And we follow all these people. We're not sitting here following some random guy that lives down the road on Twitter, right? We're like, oh man, he went to work today. Oh man, he went to the grocery store today. Cool. Oh man. He went home to watch TV. Cool. Like, we don't watch normal people, right? 
We watch the people who have the things that we don't have because we're like, damn, that's a nice house, man. I'm going to send that to somebody. Or, damn, that's a, that's a crazy car. You know, like we follow things that we usually don't have because in some way or form, there's a connection that like, man, that would be cool. Maybe I would feel happy if I had some things like that or I would, I would love to have things like that. But that's not joy because most of those people don't have joy either. There might be some temporary happiness, but the reality is, and I think this is something that's so confusing, is that joy, if you think about joy, you want to know the definition of joy, it is not things that you get. It is not things that happen to you. Some people say, I will be joyful if I get, you know, the car, the, the security, the house, the, the wife or husband. Like, once I have those things, I will be a joyful person. Those things aren't going to make you joyful, you know? I'm going to tell you right now, you're going to have car problems for sure. Gas is five bucks a gallon, so you're not going to be happy about that, right? Um, marriage is going to be fine from time to time, but there's going to be some fights that you're not going to be very happy about throughout that time. And once you have the kids, there's going to be even more fights. There's going to be more things like that. Your job is never going to be awesome 24-7 every single day. The things that you all desire and want to say, like, this is what's going to make me joyful, you will not be joyful in those situations because joy does not come from what you get, Joy is a feeling and an emotion that you have to choose within yourself despite what you get. And then and only then when you can understand that that's what joy is, will you truly understand how you're supposed to live a life of hope for other people. How you're supposed to live a life of hope for yourself. And how joy and peace can come into your life to say, this, these situations suck but I am choosing to have a joy and a peace about them because I have put my hope in God and I know it will be okay at the end of the day. Amen. That's exactly the way that hope is described in the Bible. And thirdly is hope means that I can live a bold life. Hope means that I can live a bold life. In Psalms 31, 24, it says, Be strong and let your heart take courage, all you who hope in the Lord. You can even flip that verse around and say, it says, you know, all of you who hope in the Lord, be strong and let your heart take courage. And I, I really do think that this point in itself is the problem with hope in Christianity. It's because so many Christians do not live a bold life. They do not live a life with a fire in their belly, with, with them going out blazing a trail, with them changing generations, changing cycles. They don't live like that. There are more secret Christians in the world than there are bold ones. You know what I'm saying? There are more people who claim to be Christian, but nobody knows it but them. Nobody knows about the people inside their house. And that's the problem with Christianity is because people aren't bold enough to live a life that exemplifies what hope truly looks like. And that's a huge problem because I think it could have, I think Christianity could have a huger impact on the world if people were willing to be bold with their hope and faith and trust in God and live that way that other people can see it. Because if you put these first two together, right, and if we know that this hope is for this life and the next, and we know that hope means that we can have a joy and a peace about our lives. If we know all of these things and, we can, and hope means that we can expect those things, then why in the world would we as Christians choose to live so passively? Why would we, try, why would we choose to live so timid, so reserved, so fearful? And I'll tell you guys right now, the answer is because of insecurity. It's because of what the world would think of us. Because to be a Christian, to go out into the world and to do something completely different than the world is doing right now is scary. Especially the way that the world's going today, the way that the culture's going, the way that social media is going, the way that people's opinions and views on certain things and religion are going. 
It is not fun to go out and be the outsider, to be the outcast. But the reality is, is that's the exact reason why Christianity is tanking in America. That's why churches are closing their doors left and right. That's why so many agendas are being pressed into, into our kids. There, there's just different things that are changing our culture. And I truly believe it's because Christians are not willing to be bold in their faith, but they're choosing to hide behind walls because they're scared of what other people are going to think of them. And when and only when we can really understand what hope is, will we truly be men and women that can go out into the world and say, listen, I know what I got my hope in. I don't care what anybody else thinks about me. You know, here's a side verse. You can write this down. It's Galatians 1.10. But this is one of the most important verses that I've ever memorized in my life. Galatians 1.10 is Paul talking. And he says, am I trying to please people or am I trying to please God? Because I can't please both. And that's a great verse for us to remember when we're talking about this idea of being bold. Is are you trying to please the people around you or are you trying to please God? Because you can't do both. And if you're going to live a bold life and you're going to have hope to live a bold life, you better stop caring about what people think of you. Because you will never be able to live a life that has hope and shows hope to the world if you're not willing to have a boldness and a, and a, and a people-pleasing mentality that gets thrown out the door so that your only focus is pleasing God in your life. And so, you know, when we think about these types of things that, that, that hope can bring to our lives, um, how do you find it? How do you find hope? If, if that's the reality of what hope is, and you're like, I want to be bold in my life. Like, I want to be somebody who blazes a trail. Like, I want to have joy. I want to have peace in my life. Like, I want, some, I want the hope for this life. And Like, I want those things, so how do I find those things? Well, we're going to talk about two things real quick, but it's super simple. The first one, you know, it boils down to hope is found in his son and obeying his will. Hope is found in his son and obeying his will. And what we're going to do before we, even, before we jump into this point is we're going to, we're going to take communion here in a second. <clears throat> because if we're going to find hope, we need to realize first and foremost that the only reason that we have an opportunity to have hope is because of what Jesus did on the cross. And what makes the message of the cross so cool is that not only did Jesus give us the opportunity to have a hope, but in the sacrifice on the cross itself was an example of hope by what Jesus did. So not only did he give us the opportunity, he gave us the example and he set the pace and showed us exactly what hope can look like by sacrificing his life to give us something greater. And that's kind of what I want you guys to set your minds on as we take communion here in a second. But this idea of hope really all boils down to really what Jesus did on the cross to give us that opportunity and to look a little bit deeper as to what that thing was so that we could have that opportunity to have it for ourselves. So I'm going to say a prayer. Um, we're going to take communion. I'm going to come back up here and we're going to wrap this up today. <clears throat> um, God, just thank you so much uh, just to talk about hope for a little bit today, to have that feeling of hope. Um, it, it, like I said, it, it is a word that we usually completely misconstrue in, in society, but God, the reality is, is that hope in itself is all focused around your son. It's all focused around Jesus and what he did on the cross, um, and God, I'm so grateful to have a hope. I'm so grateful to have a different life today because of that, and God, I pray that right now I can take that time to remember that, um, to focus on that, and to be grateful for that opportunity to have hope because of your son, Lord. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. In Titus 2.13, 
it says, and we are instructed to turn from godless living and sinful pleasures. We should live in this evil world with wisdom, righteousness, and devotion to God, while we look forward with hope to that wonderful day when the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, will be revealed. You see, the whole idea of taking communion and remembering what Jesus did on the cross is meant to be a reminder that we are, we are called to live differently. We are called to turn from what the world chooses to live for because we live for something different. That's what hope is. That's what hope essentially becomes in our lives is to, is to stop focusing on trying to get the benefits of this life and give all that away so that we can have an opportunity uh, to follow God. That's what obeying his will is. Look at this again um, in 1 Peter, uh, 1 Peter 1, 3 through 5. <clears throat> it says, May the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ be blessed. On account of his vast mercy, he has given us new birth. You have been a born anew into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. You have a pure and enduring inheritance that cannot perish, an inheritance that is presently kept safe in heaven for you. Through his faithfulness, you are guarded by God's power so that you can receive the salvation he is ready to reveal in the last time. I love what this verse says when it talks about a living hope. Because that's exactly what hope is. Once you've chosen to find a relationship with Jesus and you've chosen to find Jesus and trust in God, you are no longer looking for a hope. You are no longer saying, I hope, I hope, I hope, because you yourself are the hope. Your lifestyle is the hope. So no longer are you saying, I hope to have a good life, because your actions based on how you choose to follow God or not, are going to dictate if you have that good life. There's no longer just guessing. There's no longer just mentally preparing. There's no longer saying, why don't I have? You get to choose if you're going to have that hope or not based on the way you choose to live your life. So if you call yourself a Christian, you look at your life, it's like, why, why does my life suck? Why am I not so happy? Maybe there's a reality that maybe you aren't living the way that God has called you to live as a hope. Maybe you're not following your life based on the way that the Bible says to, but all you want is the promises. You want the son, you want the salvation, but you don't want the obedience. And what I'm here to tell you guys today is that hope will never happen in your life unless you are willing to live it in the way that God has asked you to. You will never have the things that God wants to bless you for. You will never have the, the treasures that he has got stored up and kept safe in heaven for you. You will never attain any of those things if you're not willing to live in the way he has asked you to live. You see, all we want to do and all America has told us now is all you have to do to get hope and to get the good things is just believe. And we talked about that when we talked about faith a couple weeks ago, right? That that's what America says. Just believe somebody's up there. Just acknowledge that there's something higher above us and everything's going to be good. But when you read verses like this, that's not at all what it's like to get hope. That's not at all the way to have the blessed life. It's much more than believing. And if you remember what we talked about with more than words, when the Bible uses the word belief and faith, it's actually talking, it's a verb, it's an action. It's not a mental awareness, but it's a physical action that you have to take. If you believe in something, you're going to do something about it. You're going to put your trust into it. And that's not just saying, I trust you, but you're going to choose to make actions in your life that prove that there's an actual trust there. So even believing in itself is not a mental thing. 
It is more of an action of what you do. Hope is the same way. So as a disciple, as a Christian, if you're looking at your life and you're saying, why don't I have the good things? This is a challenge for you. Are you living your life in a way that shows hope? Are you living in a way of, of the, are you following the process of what hope is based on what God says? In Matthew 7, 21, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Same thing, hitting the nail on the head here. God says, just because you say, Lord, Lord, just because you believe in me, just because you say, I hope, I hope, I hope, it doesn't mean you're going to get all these things. But it's only the people who choose to follow exactly what I have said, the living hope in your lifestyle will achieve the things that we need to get. We'll achieve the blessings, we'll, we'll, we'll feel the peace, we'll feel the joy, we'll feel the boldness, we'll feel those things. You can confidently expect those things if you follow the will. And then lastly, hope requires that I endure. Hope requires that I endure. In 1 Thessalonians, Thessalonians 1, 3, it says, We remember before our God and Father your work produced by faith, your labor prompted by love, and your endurance inspired by hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. You see, we see those three words again, faith, love, and hope. And hope is endurance inspired, which means that there, there is a perseverance here, which means you, it, it's going to take some time. You're not just necessarily going to get all of this hope shown up in front of you as soon as, as soon as you make a decision. But it's something that we need to hold on to because this life is a, is, 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 is a, is a marathon. It's going to take time to live your life because there's going to be different decisions and different things put in front of your life that you will have to choose to live in a hopeful way and make a decision in one direction or you're going to choose to live in a selfish way and make a choice in a different direction. And this idea of hope is so important in those decisions. Where am I going to go to school? What church am I going to be a part of? What, you know, who, what kind of man or woman am I going to marry? What kind of job am I going to take? What kind of hours am I going to work? Every single decision that you guys make in life is going to be a choice based on living in hope or living for self. And they never partner. Every decision that you make is one or the other. They're never together. You don't get a, a side benefit. You know, like you don't get to say, oh, I'm taking this job because I have a living hope that this is going to bless my life and I'm going to get a little extra side cash on the side. You know, like that's not how it works, you know? Or somebody says, I'm going to, I'm going to live in this house because I want this house and maybe God will bless me with something cool down the road. Like and you don't get a little side piece of either decision. You make a decision based on hope or you don't. And based on the decision, we'll decide where you go in life. Every decision can be boiled down to a hopeful one or not. But the reality is, is that we have to endure and continue to make those decisions so that we can get that expectation of what hope is meant to bless our lives with. You see, faith, hope, and love, like we talked about with this whole series, the reality is, is that enduring hope is so important for our entire life because at one point we won't need hope anymore. You see, out of those three words, and it talks about how the greatest is love, there's a reason why it says the greatest is love. It's because one day you will die, and you will no longer need two of those three. You see, you won't, you won't need faith anymore when you die. Because when you die, you will meet God, and that faith will be made complete because it's right there. 
God is right there. You will no longer need to believe because it is truth. It is fact. It's right in front of you. While we're here on earth, we need to have faith and trust and believe that that is true. But the, at that moment where you choose to meet God and you stand before him, there's no, there's no longer a need for faith. There will also no longer be a need for hope. Because if, if the hope is confidently expecting things and knowing that God has something in store for us and there's a treasure in heaven, well, once you get that thing, if, it, if the word means to expect that means something will happen. And once that thing happens, there will no longer need to be an expecting because it's here. Right? If you're expecting a baby and the baby comes out, you're no longer expecting, right? And that's exactly how it works when God promises things through hope, that there's no longer a need for that. So in the end, all that will be left is love. But while we're here on earth, it's so important that we endure that hope. It's so important that we just... We just, we, we ride it out. We take the time to focus on it and we take the time to trust in it and persevere in it despite the decisions that get, that get put in front of us. And last in Hebrews 10, 23, it says, in this confidence, let us hold on to the hope that we profess without the slightest hesitation for it is utterly dependable. You see, lastly, what I'll close on is just hope in itself is so dependable, guys. If God has promised it in the Bible, it is truth. If you believe in God, you believe in Scripture, then whatever God says is going to be truth. It's going to happen. And hope is something that God has promised for us, and it says it is utterly dependable. If you put your hope and your trust in God and you choose to live a life as a living hope, you can very certainly depend that the things that God is wanting to bless your life with will happen but you have to choose to live that life of hope. And so I don't know where you guys are at today. I don't know where you're at in your life. I don't, I don't know everybody's story in this room, but I know that there's a lot of you guys in here that are, you know, that are visiting with us. And I just want you to know that this, this window is not just for you know, matured, well-off Christians, I guess. This is for anyone and everyone who wants to look at their life and say, I don't know where I'm at. I'm stuck and I'm lost. Honestly, more times than not, Christians are just as lost, if not more lost, than people in the world. Because they choose to fake it or they choose not to realize that there are certain actions and lifestyle things that they need to take. And so for a lot of us, whether you're a member or a visitor or whoever you are, this is so important for us to understand what hope is. So if you guys would, there's a communication card in your guys' bulletins. I would encourage you guys, members and guests alike and visitors alike, to pull out. And I want you guys to just take a minute to look through that and fill that out for a little bit. Because what hope can really do for your life is incredible, but for a lot of us, we need a little step. We need a little push, a little nudge, and maybe we're in different spots. Well, here at the Crossings Church, we choose to provide as many opportunities as we can to showcase what hope can look like based on the way that we have chosen to live. If there, if there is divorce, if there is, if there is abuse, if there is neglect, if there has been ha hurts or, or addictions, whatever it may be, we have services here at our church that have had people not just teaching and, and, and experts because they've researched and blah. We actually have people who have been in those places. So you're not, you're not gonna, you're not gonna go very far inside of our church to find somebody that has probably had the same exact problem or hurts or habit, whatever, that you have and have been able to work through it because of hope and, and living in hope. And so if there's anything on that card that you, you, that you want to look at, and you, just please indicate that. If you're just looking for a community of people to, to kind of sh just show you what that looks like, a small group, just indicate you want to know more about that. If you, if you want to know about hope and say, well, what kind of what things does hope mean? 
Because sometimes people think like, when I hear hope and I'm going to get what I want, that means I'm going to get the car and I'm going to get the money and I'm going to get, like, that's not hope. You know, that's what the world says, but that's not what the Bible says. So maybe check that you'd like a Bible study and maybe somebody will sit down with you and, and look at what hope really means, like what God wants to bless your life with. I don't really know what it is for you guys. Um, we have church camps coming up. Our, our church is very focused on student ministries. And in our, our, our summers, we spend a lot of time at church camps with all ages, kindergarten through seniors in high school. Even our college students have a campus retreat. And so no matter where you're at, if you're, if you're a student and you need hope, your butts better be at camp this summer. You better figure out how to get to those camps. And, you know, money's not an issue. So, like, we will, you know, indicate that on your car. Say, I want to go to camp. And I don't have the money. We will figure it out for you. We will get you guys some kind of fundraising or we will get you guys working in my backyard mowing my lawn. I don't care. We'll figure it out. But we'll get, you, we'll get you guys to camp. Because I've seen so many kids at our camps spend the night in cabins for the week with 10 or 12 other kids bawling their eyes out being like, I don't have a dad either. I don't have a dad either. And my life sucks. And I hate my life. And it's terrible. And I, I, it's so heartbreaking to be in those cabins with those kids. But what's so cool is most of those kids walk into a camp feeling hopeless and they leave feeling the most hope they've ever felt in their entire life. And for some of you kids that are members of this church, you need to get your butts out there and invite your friends that are hopeless as well to these camps because you know exactly what can happen to these camps and you guys know that there is a hope that you guys need to instill that you haven't been. And so for you kids and you parents, maybe you know kids, maybe you have grandkids or you have nieces and nephews or you have your own kids or whatever it is, this is a great opportunity to just get them involved in camps to, to get them some time around some other kids who are struggling the same ways that they are, but also some kids who have, have worked through that and honestly, even counselors who have been those high school kids in that same spot and know exactly how it feels. But just indicate anything on that card that you guys need to to make sure that you guys are doing what you guys can to find hope the way that God wants you to and not just by the way that the by the way that more than words has described it here in our society. So I'm going to say a prayer. Um, I'm glad that you guys are able to visit with us today. I hope you guys come back. Um, and uh, we're, going to, we're going to sing a song, give you guys some time to fill out that, communicate, that communication card, and then we'll sing a second song, uh, and then we'll wrap up our service for the day. Okay? So let me say a prayer, get our worship team back up here, and uh, we'll wrap it up. God, I just want to thank you so much for the idea of hope. Um, I'm just so grateful for... Uh, the opportunity to have hope, Lord, it is, it's one of those things that, um, you know, as a kid, I, I was one of those kids that grew up without a dad, grew up in a very poor situation. I didn't have a lot of hope that I was going to be anything different than my life. I didn't, I didn't think I deserved a, a faithful, beautiful wife. I didn't think I was going to deserve to have kids because of what my dad was to me. Like, I didn't think I was going to be good at anything, uh, Lord, but God, you've blessed me with so many skills and talents and abilities, um, and you blessed me with awesome relationships and an awesome family uh, and things that I could have never hoped for. But God, I made a lot of decisions whenever I was in college to choose to do things your way instead of the college way. And uh, I think because of those things, I can see the hope in my life now. And God, it doesn't matter if these people are in college, if they're, if they're retired, it, it doesn't matter. Um, it's, there's always time to look at our lives and say, have I been doing it my way or have I been living in a hopeful way the way you've called me to? Um, and I pray this in your son's name. Amen. I will never be the same again. I can never return. I've closed the door. I will
walk the path. I will run the path.